At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. We invite you to join us for our series, Good Morning, as we learn from the cries of Israel recorded in the book of Lamentations. Together, we'll discover the depth of God's love for us, even in seasons of suffering, and learn to take our sorrows to the Savior. Well, good morning. I want to take you guys on a journey this morning. I'm going to take you back to the year 2002. I had just made this kind of shift. I had decided that I was following God's call into pastoral ministry. So what I had done is I had resigned my position of 10 years to begin my seminary education in Orlando, Florida. Now, we had lived in Grand Rapids at that time, and so the move to Orlando was a pretty significant one. So what we did is my then pregnant wife and I packed up our Penske truck, packed all those belongings that a newlywed couple has, which aren't very many, but we packed them in, moved to the sun and the palm trees of the state of Florida. As you can imagine, in that moment, we're kind of filled with some excitement There's a little bit of anxiety mixed in there, but most of all, we were excited about what God was leading us into, and I want you to know that the reason I mention the level of excitement is because that would quickly change in a matter of a few days. Here's what I mean. You see, when you move into a seminary education, they have to start you somewhere. And so at Reformed Theological Seminary in Orlando, Florida, what they do is they start you with Greek 1, Summer Greek. For those of you who have participated in that, you know what that is. For those of you who have not, I will just tell you it is this, it is boot camp, okay? It is boot camp for the seminary student, and that's exactly what it was for me. This experience broke me. Four days into my new life, four days into my seminary experience, my wife walked in, Bonnie walked into the office, and I am huddled up, sitting in the fetal position, on the floor, muttering. I I think I made a mistake. I, I can't do this. So if you're keeping score... I'd quit my job, moved my pregnant wife across the country, stepped into a graduate program, and I was undone. Completely at a loss, completely overwhelmed. I did not know what to do. In that moment, I had lost hope. Have you guys ever felt like that? Have you ever felt that whatever the circumstances are in your life, you get to the edge and you say, I don't know where to go, I don't know where to turn, I don't know what to do next. I'm completely wiped out, I am void of hope, I don't have anything left. Truth is, we all have moments like that in our lives that bring us to the point of breaking. But sometimes, 
Sometimes those moments don't just break us. Sometimes those moments move us and motivate us. But every time, every time we get to one of those moments in our lives, what it does is it shapes how we view our holy God. Every time. It's in those moments. It's in those honest, real, authentic moments where we cry out to our God and say, do you know my pain? Do you care? Do you see what I'm going through here? How do I move forward? How do I move on? How do I do anything? I'm without hope. You see, today, right in the middle of the book of Lamentations, where we've been reading for the past few weeks about the judgment of God, and then the call for God's people to repent, we're going to find answers to those questions. We're going to find truth from God's Word that will speak directly to those situations, directly to those moments in our lives where we are completely spent and undone. But before we turn there, let's pray. Gracious God, we call you that because that is what you are. That in spite of the times where we feel lost, in spite of the times where we feel like we're out of control, where we don't know where to go and where to turn, we know, God, from your word, that we can turn to you. And so right now in this moment, that's what we do. We bow our hearts and our minds in your presence today because we need to hear from you. We need your Holy Spirit to speak truth to our lives, God, because that is what your word is. It is true, it is truth, and it has everything we need to guide us in our journey. So God, give us eyes to see the truth of this word. Give us ears to hear this truth, God, and then give us humble, surrendered hearts before you that we might live out this truth today and in the weeks ahead. And we ask this humbly in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, church, the book of Lamentations is actually a series of poems as we've talked about the past couple weeks, it is likely written by the prophet Jeremiah in response to all that he had seen, all that he had witnessed, specifically the, the destruction of Jerusalem. And with that destruction came the captivity of God's people. It's easily one of the absolute darkest, worst moments in the history of the people of God. They're at their point. They've reached the edge and the author of Lamentations has seen it firsthand. He's experienced it personally. He's in that place where he's processing his despair as a nation, and now he gets to the point where he's processing it a little more individually. What he is processing is profound sadness, profound grief. 
Listen to the heart of the author. See if you can identify with this emotion. It comes from verse 18. It says, my endurance has perished. I'm at the end. My endurance has perished. So has my hope from the Lord. The prophet is undone. He's reached the end of what he can handle. He is in a place where he he has no hope. And that right there is the turning point. That right there is when everything begins to change. So I want to invite you to grab your Bible. We're going to be looking at chapter 3. And we're going to read the first 16 verses as we continue through today's text. But in this chapter, you will hear a turn. It doesn't happen at the beginning of chapter 3. We'll get there. But let's hear the prophet's words. He says, I am the man who has seen affliction under the rod of his wrath. He has driven and brought me into darkness without any light. Surely against me he turns his hand again and again the whole day long. He has made my flesh and my skin waste away. He has broken my bones He has besieged and enveloped me with bitterness and tribulation. He has made me dwell in darkness like the dead of long ago. He has walled me about so that I cannot escape. He has made my chains heavy. Though I call and cry for help, he shuts out my prayer. He has blocked my ways with blocks of stones. He has made my paths crooked. He is a bear lying in wait for me, a lion in hiding. He turned aside my steps and tore me to pieces. He has made me desolate. He has bent his bow and seen and set me as a target for his arrow. He drove into my kidneys the arrows of his quiver. For I have become the laughingstock of all peoples, the object of their taunts all day long. He has filled me with bitterness. He has sated me with wormwood. He has made my teeth grind on gravel and made me cower in ashes. Do you think he's reached his end? Did you hear the pain expressed in those words? Did you hear the feeling of absolute and utter despair? It's there. And as I said, what we saw in the first two chapters of Lamentations is he's speaking about the community of God's people. This has become very personal. He's moved from the pain and the grief of a city and of a people to a personal level of intensity. An individual soul in lament. He's seen the affliction. That's what it says in the text. His skin has wasted away. He's been brought into darkness. He's now being mocked. He's become the laughingstock and he now is filled with bitterness. Can you identify with those feelings? When you reach that end, when you get to the point where you don't know what to do, do those feelings resonate with your heart? The raw and real emotions that are expressed in this text, have you been there? 
if you have been there, if you've ever felt those feelings, if you ever have thought those thoughts, then you are going to see clearly the significance of our first response that God's people can offer. And the first response is this. God's people can acknowledge our affliction. God's people can and should acknowledge our affliction. What do you mean by that? Let's unpack the different segments that we just read. What we're going to see is the prophet speak very clearly and concisely. Verses 1 through 6. He says, God is like a harsh shepherd who's brought the rod of judgment. Verses 7 through 9, God is seen as a jailer who ignores the cries of help. Verses 10 through 13, God is pictured as a predator ready to devour. All of those feelings express the anguish and the affliction that the prophet is feeling. All of those. They all lead to a deep place of despair. So deep, so dark is the pain that the author is feeling that he writes these words in verses 17 and 18. Listen to this. My soul is bereft of peace. I've forgotten what happiness is. So I say my endurance has perished, and so has my hope from the Lord. The prophet has reached his end. Peace is gone. Happiness has left. He has no hope. Over the course of 18 verses, six stanzas in this section of vivid, detailed poetry, the author has laid out for us, and all who read this text, the depth of his pain, the depth of his affliction. And I want us to notice very clearly where he places the responsibility for that pain. He places it on the broad shoulders of Almighty God. Let that resonate in your heart and your mind for just a moment. He places that squarely upon God. Church, this morning I want to invite you to do the same. I want you to acknowledge your affliction, whatever it might be in your life. Don't diminish it, recognize it for what it is. Because when we begin the journey of lament, acknowledging our affliction is so, so deeply important to get started. We have to go there to be real and to be honest because we're feeling it, we're thinking it. And what God wants us to do is be honest before Him, be real and surrender those things to Him. To be honest about who we are and what we're struggling with in that moment. Now, For many of us, this is kind of a strange idea. You've been in the church long enough to know that we're supposed to be nice Christian people. We're supposed to talk nice of God. Oftentimes, 
And this is very sad. Oftentimes, the place is the last place people will go to be real and to be honest. We'll put on a mask, we'll hide our emotions, we'll hide our thoughts, and even our struggles with God, rather than show those things to your friends in your life group, the friends that you journey with in your family, and certainly not the pastors or the staff. That's sad. That's sad because what Lamentations shows us is that cultural narrative, that experience isn't true. It's not true. You see, if there is one thing I hope you take from today, from chapter 3, it's this, God can handle your pain. God can handle your hurt. God can even handle your anger. Because it's in those moments when we're real and when we are authentic with our Heavenly Father, He meets with His children in the midst of our pain. And what He does is He provides comfort for us. Comfort for those who are in the deep depths of despair. This type of honesty before God is actually what lament is. I've told you this each of the past couple weeks. Lament is a passionate expression of grief and sorrow. It is a passionate communication to God. I'm sad. I'm angry. I'm discouraged. And for those of us who find ourselves in that place today, grieving, hurting, angry with God, the time is now for you to begin the journey of lament. And it begins, it begins when we acknowledge our affliction. That's where we begin the journey because God desires to meet with you and with me, his children, right in the center of our pain, not when we hide it somewhere or act like it doesn't exist. He invites us to, to come to him and that's where he will meet us because he longs, he yearns to care for his people and to bring healing any parent in the room understands this because when your toddler is running and slips on the, on the sidewalk, scuffs up his knee, is crying, and he runs to you, what do you do? You embrace him. You communicate your love in the midst of his pain. You communicate your love for him. That's exactly what believers should do. We should run to him in our pain. Now some of you might be saying, well that's easy. It's easy for you to say, you're a pastor, you're that professional Christian. You're supposed to say that. Okay, I am. But I wouldn't say it if I didn't believe it. I would not say those things to you in good conscience if it wasn't true based on the reality of God's word. 
we can and we should run to God in the midst of our affliction and acknowledge it before Him to be real and to be authentic. Now, church, let's return to our poem. Let's pick it up at verse 19. It says, remember my affliction, my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. But this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in Him. Some of those words sound familiar. If you grew up in the church or if you've been around the church any length of time, you probably picked up a few of those phrases that we just talked about. God's mercies, well, they're never ending. God's mercies are new every morning. Great is God's faithfulness. Powerful words to be sure. They're so powerful, in fact, that they were the source material for a hymn called Great is Thy Faithfulness. Lamentations chapter 3. But I want you to know that there's something else that's important about what we just read. That it matters to every single person here on our faith journey, each and every one of us. A dramatic shift has taken place in the posture of the writer. He was communicating his despair his angst, his frustration, his loneliness, and all of a sudden something changed. He's praising God here. What happened? What did I miss? What, what happened? The change begins in verse 21. Let's have a look. But this I call to mind. And therefore, I have hope. You see, the author is recovering or returning to a core belief about God in the midst of his affliction. He's not doing it after the affliction is gone, but he's doing it during his affliction. In the midst of his affliction, hope is found because the prophet has returned to thinking and focusing on the reality of who God is. And as he does, he moves from hopelessness to hopefulness. And this gives us our second response that God's people can and should experience. We should remember our God. You and I are called to remember our God. This means that in the midst of our affliction, you and I should focus on the true character of God. In the midst of our affliction, we should think on what we know to be true of God's, not only his character, but his actions as well. And most of all, we should remember what God has already done in our life. You see, believer, if you were in Christ today, you should think upon what Jesus has already done for you and remember your God. I love the way 
Pastor Mark Rogop writes this in his book, Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy. He says, Lamentations shows us that hope does not come from a change in our circumstances. So often that's what our world wants to think, that if you just change the circumstances, everything will be better. Rogop writes this. He says, it, doesn't, it comes from something else. It comes from when you know to be true in spite of the situation that's in front of you. That's when change happens. So you see, verses 21 and 22 serve as a turning point in the whole of the book of Lamentations. Right there in the middle of chapter 3 is this kind of hinge point for the whole book. Because what the author is doing is he's drawing his heart back to the character of God. He's reminding himself. He says, I call to mind. That's what you and I need to do too. When we practice lament, we need to be honest and real about our affliction. And then we should remember our God. And this is how we find hope in the midst of our affliction. This is how lament allows you and me to hope. Because it turns the focus from our situation and helps our minds and our hearts be rooted and centered upon the reality of God and His character. Our church family, if you've been at the White Lake campus for any length of time, you know that we often will declare a biblical truth or a historical Christian doctrine in the form of a catechism. Now, some of you might say, well, what's a catechism? Well, catechism is really only a training tool or a teaching tool. There's nothing fancy about it. It is simply a way to teach and train God's people in the core doctrines that we believe. One of the most famous catechisms is one called the Heidelberg Catechism. And this is its first question. It says, what is your only comfort in life and death? That's the question. Here's the answer. That I am not my own, but I belong, body and soul, in life and death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has paid fully for all my sins with his precious blood. This summarizes why Christ followers can experience hope in the midst of our affliction. Because nothing reveals God's love and His mercy and His faithfulness more than what is displayed on the cross. Nothing. For it's at the cross that Jesus paid the ultimate price for our affliction. An affliction called sin. The perfect paid the ultimate price for the imperfect. The righteous paid the ultimate price for the unrighteous. The sinless paid the ultimate price for the sinful. That's you and that's me. And that's why men, women, and children who have faith in Jesus Christ are not without hope, even in the midst of of our difficult circumstances. Even when we're at the edge, we are not without hope. Even when we reach our limit, 
we can go one step further because God invites his children to lament. He invites his children to lament because when we do, we see the significance and the beauty and the power of what the cross truly is. It's a picture of hope for the believer. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's Word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.